Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. So we're jumping into the series, uh, Experiencing God. We jumped in last week or a couple weeks ago with the intro. And then last week, we jumped into reality number one last week. Um, today is reality number two. Um, guys, if you have that diagram, that graph with the diagram up on it, there you go. So here's what we are. I told you to familiarize yourself with this because this is kind of the whole, I mean, this picture right here is everything we're going to talk about. So last week we talked about the fact that number one, reality number one is God is always at work around you. You've got to get that, you've got to get that settled. That God, whether you want to face it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you see it or not, God is always at work around you. Always, always at work around you. Today is a second reality on that piece of paper right there, on that graph right there. Uh, That is relationship. Relationship. He's all about relationship. God pursues a continuing love relationship with me that is real and personal. Understand that. So he's always at work around us. But what he's really doing is redeeming the world to himself. He's redeeming the creation to himself. I am part of creation. Okay? He created me. He didn't create me to pay bills. He created me for a love relationship. That's what he's pursuing the whole time with me. So many of you know that, um, obviously, I'm an early guy, so I do breakfast a lot. Two or three times a week, I'll be uh, at a restaurant uh, having breakfast, most of the time with an individual. Sometimes I just go by myself, but most of the time, I'm meeting someone. I'm usually there early, so I'll go there first. So in this particular restaurant, I'm really spoiled, just going to tell you, because I have a waitress, her name is Stephanie, and my coffee is at my table when she sees my Jeep pull up. This is terrible. My wife's like, oh, Lord, help. (laughs) Just not what he needs, okay? But so I get out, and I walk in, and and my water and my coffee's there. So I'm, I'm there, and what I usually do before the individuals that I meet get there, I do a little bit of studying. And so I always have my word. And uh, if I'm in a series, I'll have that book as well. So one particular morning, I'm at my booth and having coffee. I'm really not even paying attention because if you've, if you've ever been in those restaurants early in the morning, it's the same people every time. I mean, they're all sitting in the same seat. We're just like, guys, just, and we get lost if we don't do the same thing. So it's just like, so we're all doing it. It's all even look up. I see him, but I don't always see him, but I know some of the people that are in there. So I'm, I'm at my table, and all of a sudden, there's, there's a, a, a person there. You know, I'm just, oh. And I look up, and there's this guy there. He says, I can see you're a religious man. 
Well, I was like, ah. there's a moment where you're like, do you, are you, do you be nice? Or do you tell the truth? <laughs> so he said, I can tell you're a religious man. Because I had my Bible open. He, I, I said, um, no, sir. I'm not a religious man. As a matter of fact, I, I, don't, I don't even like religion. Well, that intrigued him. He said, well, you're reading the Bible. I was like, uh-oh. I said, well, yeah, yes, I'm reading the Bible because I'm in a relationship with God. And my relationship with God is birth and life. It, it, it gets life through my relationship with Jesus, who is the Word. And, and so what, what I'm doing in the Bible is I'm just continuing that relationship with, with Jesus. And so when I open the Bible, which is Jesus, I'm face-to-face with the author of creation and the author of this book, and his name is God. So I'm not a religious person, but I am a person in relationship with a God that created me because he has much to say. Well, you can just imagine this gentleman's response. He's, well, I've never heard it put quite like that. Thank you. And he walked off. So he went and sat down. I want to say something to you. We're not done. I have not felt like I've, I, I'm, I'm quite ready or the turf. I know I have the turf, but I'm not sure the Holy Spirit yet has said, let's go sit at his table. But that day's coming, so you can pray that way because God is what? Always at working. Always at work. So here's what I want you to understand. This world would call this religion. That's not religion. That's relationship. I want you to go to your Bible. There's a ton of scriptures. So if you like the Bible, you're going to like church. If you like the Bible, I mean, if you don't like the Bible, this is not going to be a good day for you. Okay. So I want, <laughs> I want you to go to John chapter 5 first. I want you to see this scripture. This is a very interesting scripture. You may or may not have seen this before. John chapter 5, 39 and 40. Jesus is talking to um, the Pharisees here. Verse 39, chapter 5 of John, he says, You diligently study the Scripture because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the Scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Welcome to seminary. That's not, you don't even need to be there for that. You, you study this thinking this is going to give you eternal life. This gives you knowledge which can puff you up where you don't even need me. Come to me, not the book. Real Christianity is not merely a religion It is a relationship with a person. God created humanity for a love relationship with him. 
You've got to understand that he is always at work, but his number one work is being in relationship with you. That's his number one work. His number one work is to redeem his creation to him. That's what he's after. That's what he wants. And he does this through salvation. He does this through an incredible act of love. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever, and it's good to be a whosoever, believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Here's, here's probably one of the most radical passages of the scriptures you'll find in the Bible. Still amazes me today. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's crazy. I hardly do things for people that I like. I mean, seriously, you got a, you got a mean neighbor, you, you go out of your way for him? No. I'm like, I hope he has a flat, you know. I mean, that kind of, I mean, I'm just being real here. Y- y'all do the same thing. Y'all just sitting in church going, he shouldn't say that in church. But, but you say it on Wednesday. So, so here's what I'm trying to say. Christ said, you're a wreck. You're a mess. You're, man, you're, you're nothing like me. But I love you so much that while you're a wreck, while you're a sinner, I'm dying for you. Because it's going to be a day in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your wreck, you're going to need a Savior. You're going to need a Savior. While we were yet sinners, man, sinners, Christ died for us. You see, he is the one, the only one, that pursues this love relationship with us. Everything we're experiencing comes from God in a response to his invitation. Can you get, is there a peanut big enough to get that? Just get around that. He, it, as he pursues us. You've heard Paxton talk about the fact that it, who, who he was when God chased him down. Saved a wretch like me. Chased him down. Some of us were saved from more than, we, than others were saved. I mean, carry saving bubble gum. That, I mean, that's a lot, okay? But listen to me. No matter what you were saved from, you were still saved by his pursuit of you. Period. That is an incredible, radical love that we know nothing about. Because we are so conditional. Most of us, if we were honest with ourselves have a conditional love even to our spouse. God doesn't have no conditional love. He has an unconditional love that I don't even know if we can grasp. He chases us, pursues us, runs us down with this love that is more radical than anything we can ever come across. And all he wants is relationship. It's all he wants. He doesn't want anything else. Nothing else. John 6, says this. No one, pretty simple, no one, 
No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up in the last day. No one comes to the Father. Nobody gets saved. Nobody's born again unless first God pursues them. God chases them down. You know why? You know why, right? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. So no one can boast. Nobody. Yeah, I did this. No, you didn't. And if you stay on that hill long enough, <laughs> Humpty Dumpty about to show you what happened and fall down. You didn't do this. Gift from God. John 6, 6, John 6, 65 says this. He went on to say, just a little longer, just a little bit further in this text. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. Parents, you will not drag your kids to salvation. Can't be done. You can drag them into my office. They can sit up tall and say a little prayer. They're walking out as lost as they were when they walked in. I'm telling you, nothing great about me nor my office or the blue couch. There's great about Jesus who by his spirit draws every man, woman, boy, and girl for salvation. And I'm going to tell you something. When God draws them, you can't keep them from it either. There's, you can't drag them away from salvation. No way. We all begin the same way, every one of us. Me, you, everybody begins the same way. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us. Billy Graham, everybody. Same way. Started the same way. Romans 6.23 says, for the, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Your wages, your wages for that life, apart from Christ, you know what it is? Death. That's what you get. But Jesus said, uh-uh, I'm about to pay a price that I don't have to pay for them. And I'm going to give them eternal life. We are eternally indebted to the King Jesus for what he did for us. Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For watch the order. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. But it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. He told the Pharisees, good. Even, even the Pharisees believe in Jesus. Even, even Pharisees believe. But listen to me. That's not enough just to believe You've got to confess that he is Lord, that he is king, and you will be saved. You can't just believe. Do you believe in Jesus? Mm Mm-hmm. Have you confessed him as your Savior and Lord? I ain't gone that far yet. Well, you're not saved. Can't be half dead. Can't be half pregnant. You either in or you out. All right? Romans 10, 
Romans 10, 13 says this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Someone said, when, some guy told me one time, I can't believe people can get, I, I don't know how people really get saved in prison. What? Well, they, how does that work in, in a place like that? Man, you got a messed up Bible. Anyone who has a mouth that professes Christ, regardless of location, will be saved. Worked for my dad. He was in a jail cell on a concrete floor. 48 years old and a Baptist deacon for 21 years. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I wonder today, sitting in a really safe place like a church where you assume that everybody is saved, is there anybody in here that would say, hmm, never thought about that. I, I believe in my heart, but I don't know that I've ever confessed with my mouth. Well, today is the day of salvation. Why well, walk out of here not knowing? Because you might get next Sunday. You might get another shot. There's very few things in life that are worth knowing. Here's one thing you better know. You better know that you know that you know that you're born again. There's a story in John chapter 3. If you want to go back a couple of pages there. There's a story of Jesus in a conversation with a guy named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a very, very intelligent man and a pretty high-standing guy at this time. Nicodemus notices something about Jesus and knows he's different. But see, Nicodemus is with the upper echelon. He's a man of uh, sophistication. And he can't dare lower himself to a fisherman who doesn't even wear shoes and figure out and ask him a question. So he comes to Jesus at night and he asks him a question. It's a really good question. How can a man be born again? Well, see, Nicodemus is messed up a little bit because he's too smart for his own good because he realizes he's a grown man and he's very large. And he realizes the size of his mother. And if he's ever going to be born again, he's like, this ain't going to work. And Jesus said, oh, Lord, help the boy. It's not what Jesus said, but I want you to listen to what Jesus told him. It's probably what Jesus is thinking, okay? Because you can't think world and natural. You have to think about it and look at it through the spirit supernaturally. And, and Nicodemus, he couldn't get away from that. So Nicodemus said this in verse 4, how can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. I'm not sure that Jesus laughed at people. That might be an account. It's not in Scripture, but that might be. 
Are you serious? Did you just say that? I mean, that's a funny statement to say to Jesus. I mean, here's a guy who's he's serious about this. Why do you know he's serious? He has an exclamation mark after it. Serious about it. I'm a grown man. My mom, I'm bigger than my mom. That ain't going to work, Jesus. People say you're smart. You're not that smart. That ain't going to work. I can't do that. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. He, this guy needs the truth, okay? No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. You must, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. You, you must be born again. You were born once from your mother in birth. But you must be born a second time, and I am the author of the second time. You must be born again. So everybody in this room has a birthday. But not everybody in here has a spiritual birthday. The question is, whomever doesn't have that, are you going to be honest enough to say that? You have to have a second birthday. You have to. And that is not me saying that. And that is not religion saying that. That is the Bible, that is Jesus, that is God, the loving Heavenly Father who created you for a love relationship, who's been chasing you down since the day you were hatched, that says, you were born of your mama, that's a good thing. But you better be born of me, that's a better thing. And that's the only simple way to say it. You must be born again. You might say, I know all that, preacher. I know all that. I know all those scriptures are true. I know all that. I know it. But do you know Romans 8, 16? I know you know all that. But do you know Romans 8, 16? The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. You say, well, I know all that other scripture, preacher. I never heard of that one. That's the most important one. But see, you can know all that scripture and still be lost. You can know all that scripture and Jesus not be your Savior and the Father not know you through his son. If the father said to Jesus about you, hey, we know him. I know him. Think his name's Jeff. Goes to church a lot. Not doing him a darn bit of good. He even got some scriptures that he says are his favorites. He even tries to live by them. But I don't know him. What do you mean? He's never accepted me. Been born of his mama, but never been born of me. Plays church, goes to church, but not going to heaven by going to church. 
You see, that's the only testimony that really counts about us. It's the testimony from Jesus to the Father that I know him. If I believe in my heart, that's sweet. But if I confess with my mouth what I know in my heart, then I'm saved. People say, well, you miss heaven by, six, by 12 inches. Mm-hmm. You sure can. Romans 5.1, beautiful scripture. Romans 5.1 says this, therefore, I've always taught you, when you see therefore, figure out why that therefore is therefore. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, Mm, that's a great word, justify. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. If we have been justified, if we've been justified, and the only way to be justified is to accept the fact that you couldn't pay the price, Jesus paid it for you, you don't only believe it, but you confess it and are saved. He took your place. My wife, gorgeous lady, grew up in the church. She is in the church as much as the mice, just telling you, all the time in the church. Knew scripture, knew the word, got stars by her name in Sunday school, wore her cute little dress and her shiny little shoes, and she sat up tall. And for 26, almost 27 years, she believed she was saved. Because when she was seven, her mama dragged her to the preacher. She sat up tall and she said a little prayer. And my wife was miserable. Miserable. She had no peace. We got married. And pretty quickly after we got married, I knew something was up. But it is never a good place for your husband, newly married husband, to walk up to a wife and say, Honey, I love you, but this is going to go a lot better if you get saved. Probably shouldn't say that. That anniversary you just celebrated probably going to be your last one. So one morning, my wife gets up, and I can't find her. That's strange. She's in a floor. I walk in there, and she's studying the Scripture, and she says, I, I know all the Scriptures. Okay. But now I know what it is. I'm not saved. And I simply said, then you know what you need to do. And I held her, got down the floor, held her. She prayed. She's almost 27 years old at this point. Grew up a minister's daughter, married a pastor or minister. She was looking at the rest of her life going, oh, Lord, help. So she prays. I'm holding her. She's not big anyway. But as I held her at the first, she was so heavy. Heavy. As she prays, she gets lighter and lighter and lighter. And by the time she said amen, you see that picture of when Jesus comes out of the water, the dove flies off? She's light as a feather. And when she looked at me, we're about this close. When she looked at me, there was a glow and a spark on her eye that I could not bring to her. Oh, we were in love, and it was great. 
But I didn't give her the giddy up that Jesus did. I didn't give her the sparkle and the glow that Jesus did. It changed her life like that. Like that. John 14, 6 says that he is the way. He's the way. In this world today, that drives people crazy. You're telling me there's just one way? That's so wrong. That's so judgmental. That's so mean. One way? There's not one way. There's many ways. No. No, there's not. There's one way. One way. And I'm sorry if you think that that's jerk. Okay? That's not jerk. That's truth. Because he says, I am the way. And not only does he say he's the way, he says, I'm the truth. You can, you don't know the truth. There's a lot of truths. Truth's how I feel. No, it's not. Truth is truth regardless if you can even feel. I'm the way, the truth. And he says, you want life? I'm that too. Because otherwise you're just existing. Trees exist. Save the wells exist. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And nobody, no one, nobody, nobody, no one comes to the Father unless they pass through Jesus. Period. Do you have peace in your life? Do you have peace? Not not do you feel good when everything's going right. But do you still have peace when everything's going wrong? Oh, you're not happy about it. It, it, It's hard, but you have peace. You cannot, listen to this statement, you cannot have the peace of God unless you have peace with God. You cannot have the peace of God unless you have peace with God. And the only way you get peace with God is to accept the gift that he gave to make peace happen. His name is Jesus. He pursues a radical, incredible love relationship with you. I I hope and pray that everybody in the sound of my voice has has come to the realization that he loves you more than you love yourself, than anybody loves you. And the greatest relationship you can ever have in the world is with Jesus. And all relationships would be better after that one. All of them. Love relationship. Real fast, and I'm out of here. Relationship, second half, is real and personal. Once you meet him as your Savior and Lord, he wants to develop a daily relationship with you that is real and personal. I read the Bible not because I have to. I read the Bible because my relationship with Jesus is real and personal, and he has much to say to me. Every sunrise is an invitation to meet with God. I'm going to say that again. Every sunrise is an invitation to meet with God. Some of you are like, I don't do sunrises. I prefer sunsets. I'm sorry to all non-morning people. 
sun rises is an invitation to meet with the creator who just gave you the sunrise, a new day, and the breath to breathe. You say, well, why? I'm glad you asked why. Let me share with you why. Why every sunrise is an invitation to meet with God. John 16, 12 and 13, I'll end with this. John 16, 12 and 13, Jesus speaking, he says, I have much, I have much, I have much to say to you. More than you can bear. But when the spirit of truth comes, it's going to guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. Oh, my goodness. I'm in a love relationship with the creator who pursued me. My relationship with him is real and personal and should be growing daily. In every sunrise, he says to me, Jeff, come meet with me. I have much to say to you through the Spirit. I want to guide you, direct you. I want you to hear what I want you to hear. I want you to see what I want you to see. I used to deep sea fish with my granddad a lot. We would go out in the morning before sunrise. When the sun started coming up over the Gulf of Mexico, you couldn't see land anywhere. My grandfather said, Jeff, every sunrise is a gift from God. It's an invitation from God. Don't miss one. He said, because every sunrise is a gift from God. But here's the deal, son. You never know when that one's your last one. Where your relationship with Jesus is today (laughs) is based on your response to the sunrises and the invitations that he's given you. Simple. If you're not where you need to be in your relationship, it's because you failed to take advantage of sunrises. He pursues you in a love relationship so you're born again and you're saved. Now he pursues a relationship with you that is real and personal. It should be growing because Jesus makes all things grow. If it's not, it's because you've ignored the invitation at sunrise. Two people in the room today. One is not born again. And they know it. They can't wait to get out of here. But I'm going to ask you, don't get out of here. Get down here. Secondly, some of us in here are born again and saved. But our relationship with the Lord is just not where it needs to be. And it's because we've ignored sunrises. I want you to repent of that. And tomorrow morning when that sun pops, I want you to hear it as not another day to go to work. I want you to hear it as come 
meet with me. Come meet with me. I want to ask you to stand. You've listened a long time. My apologies, but that's good stuff. I want to pray over us. And as we worship, I'm going to simply ask the Holy Spirit to draw whomever needs to be drawn today. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram by using the church at Bushland and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.